If you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5 this morning. If you had to stop and get gas this morning on the way in and uh, somebody asked you where you're going, and instead of just saying, I'm going to church, you told them really what you were doing. Well, I'm going to go and sing songs to this guy from Nazareth in Palestine who lived about 2,100 years ago. What? That's what we've been doing. Did you catch that, that phrase, Jesus the Nazarene? We've been, we've been singing to this one that Mark a close friend and colleague, servant of the apostles who started in his gospel saying, I'm going to, I'm going to write this and I'm going to tell you about Jesus, the son of God. And one of the truths about him is that he lived and was born, you know, was born in Bethlehem, but lived in Nazareth up in Galilee over in present day Israel And during the 33 years or so of his life, he did things that convinced us so much, convinced us so strongly that we decided that we would give up our Sunday mornings regularly. I don't remember if it was Bill, if it was Bill, I think it was Bill this morning who said, if you, if this is your thousandth time being here. It's possible that it is. And more than that, some of you, it could be your 5,000th, not time here, but your 5,000th Sunday morning that you gave up. You put all those hours, and some of you did it, Sunday school and worship services, for thousands and thousands of of Sundays. Something convinced you, Now, when you were younger, it may have just been your dad, you know, or your mom. You know, my dad had a way of, on Sunday morning, if we weren't up on first call, we'd feel a trickle of water, you know, come in our face. And it's impossible to stay comfortable in bed with water on you. You know, that was his technique. But something convinced us that, it, that not, and, it, and it's more than just giving up our Sunday mornings. We've given up our lives We've said, Lord, believing that he's the master, that he's the, the one in charge now of us, we say, Lord, we'll do whatever you want us to do. Whenever you want us to do it, however you want us to do it. And we believe that, that you're the Lord. And the reason we believe it is because God was faithful through these apostles to give us this word to describe him to us in words that we can understand in language that we can understand to show us who is last week we saw him described as the one who got up from sleep up under the hull of the boat who got up and said quiet be still and the storm on the sea of galilee went to glass the the seas went to glass the wind stopped 
This morning, we're going to see him do something else amazing that gives us a reason to put our trust in him and to give up our lives for him. Even the practical aspect of our lives of giving up these valuable Sunday morning hours. Look what he says in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake, and we, we learned what happened as they went across the lake. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus was saying to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Are you amazed? There's a, there's an, an aspect of this story that rings true to all of us who've been changed by Jesus. Now, probably none of us were demon-possessed by a legion of demons. And praise God for that. 
But all of us, before we met the Lord Jesus Christ, even if we came to faith in Christ as a, as a child, all of us were at least enslaved to sin and needed to be freed, needed some chains to be taken off of us and, and to free us. But in this particular case, this man was a slave to sin and he was possessed by a legion of demons. And he was beyond help. They didn't, they didn't know what else to do with him in that region except for just turn him loose among the tombs and, and, and outside of town somewhere where, where, he, where he could just do what he does, yell and scream and cut himself. And at least he'll be out of our range. He won't impact our lives so much because we can't do anything for this guy or with this guy. I mean, can you imagine not even being able to chain him? And then Jesus the Nazarene showed up. He had just calmed the sea on his way over. So the apostles and those that were, remember, there were numerous boats that came along. So it wasn't, it wasn't just the apostles, but the apostles and all the, all the people that were following Jesus at that time, they got another eyeful as to what was happening. I mean, this was, this was a severe case, probably the most severe case of demon possession that, that we've seen in the Scripture. And there's not a lot of cases of it. It was prevalent. Demon possession was prevalent in Palestine at that time. We don't know exactly why other than it was a, a, a time to, a, a time that God had set up to show us the power of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are still places in the world today that have a lot of demon possession, mostly areas of the world that have been dedicated to false gods, which is a lot of demonic activity, which is probably why that is more prevalent in some of those places. I thank God that it's not prevalent around us. But even if it was, and even if we find ourselves in a, a circumstance or situation, we have this story to remember. Now, Matthew, in his account of this story, said that there were two guys out there. This one that Mark mentions to us is the, the main guy. This guy was hopeless. And under the possession of that demon comes up to Jesus knowing who Jesus is. And that's one of the characteristics of these demons in Palestine. They knew who he was. They all know who he is. Because demons are creations of Jesus. He made them. They're fallen angels. They're angels that decided to follow after Satan and work against God and his plans and purposes. Thinking that, there, thinking that there was something more glorious in Satan, the best, one of the brightest of all the angels, and decided to follow him, and in so doing, tried to work against him at every turn throughout history, especially during this time. And so here we have a very loud testimony coming from this demon, or this group of demons, announcing who Jesus is. 
And if the disciples weren't convinced of it yet, now here's another testimony. This demon-possessed man, how does he know who Jesus is? Because the demons in him know who Jesus is. And they've heard the plan that God has for the demons. And one of the, and, and the end of that plan is for them to be separated from God in the bottomless pit forever. And they're saying, don't send us there. Don't send us there. Don't send us there. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, please don't do that. And we don't know why Jesus doesn't. But he hasn't done that to our knowledge to any demonic forces yet because he's still allowing them to have their influence in this world under the command of Satan himself who's referred to in the New Testament as the ruler of this world. Not not always through possession of people but through influence. So we don't, we don't understand completely why he's doing it, but one thing that we learn from this situation is that Jesus' power reaches even into the spiritual realm and forces of evil and that we don't have to be afraid. This is a very freaky story. And we don't have to be afraid of this stuff. We need to take it seriously. We need to believe it, but we don't have to be afraid because Jesus was able to tell those guys, those demons, what to do, and they did it. He has that kind of control. Just like the Lord was talking to Satan in Job. I wanted Mark to read that passage this morning as a reminder. These kinds of confrontations have been going on for a long time. And... Satan and the demons aren't allowed to do certain things. And here's an example of that. He said, okay, go into those pigs. Now, a lot of people want to try to make some significance out of the fact that there are pigs there because this is, after all, Israel. And Israel's not known for its pigs, all right, because of the law. But this part of Israel, this part that used to be the half-tribe of Manasseh across the the Jordan River. And again, through all the years of rebellion and and everything of Israel, finally Israel was taken captive by Assyria, and those Israelites never came back. Israel was, was populated again by Judeans who had been taken captive into Babylon later. They came back. And so some of the, some of the areas like Samaria, the area between Judea and, and Galilee, and I'll give you pictures of all this after October, by the way. Um, but, but, but some of the areas were never repopulated by Jews. And this area called the Decapolis out here, the area that Jesus went to east of the, of the Sea of Galilee, was mostly Greek-influenced towns and, and, and villages, mostly Gentiles. So it, wouldn't, it wasn't unusual out there for there to be a huge you know, herd of, of, of pigs. But Jesus allowed those guys to go into those pigs, knowing full well they weren't going to stay there. He knew that they were going to continue their activity in working against his people, and working against his creation, and working against his plans. And that's exactly what they did. They, they ran those pigs down the, 
you know, down the slope and over the cliff and into the, into the water. And then they were free to go into those cities and do more damage, which I'm sure they did. But as they did that, they were also doing it as a, a man who had once been a slave to them was announcing the good news that those people in those 10 cities, the Decapolis, had hope. That there was somebody, a Nazarene named Jesus, who was the Son of God. And if they put their faith and trust in Him, He would forgive them of their sins just like He had cast the demons out of Him, and He would give them life, give them abundant and eternal life. That's where those demons ended up going, into cities that were, that were being influenced by somebody greater than they were, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, in the person of this former demoniac. This man who had been enslaved by possibly thousands of demons in his body. Isn't it an amazing thing when you see the, the townspeople come in and see him sitting with Jesus? Did you, did you notice what happened to him? They were terrified. They were scared of that guy. Num- number of years ago, there were some, some people visiting our church and they looked across the room And the one person saw someone sitting over there and they were terrified. Because one time when that person was was younger and riding a school bus, the person he saw across the room had gotten out of the bus and beat this kid up so bad they had to call an ambulance. And the whole school bus watched it happen. And the guy who did the beating was sitting in our church. He was the same guy that after a pastor's meeting one day in our, in our conference room, one of the pastors walked out and looked on our, on our, our board and saw the pictures of people that go, come to our church. And he said, Dean, come here. He said, this guy goes to your church? It was the same guy. I said, yeah. He said, are you serious? He said, I used to be an Alpharetta policeman. I can't believe that. He couldn't believe he's a pastor. He couldn't believe that God could get a hold of somebody that was really, 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 really bad and change him. He does that. He does that. He, in fact, has done that for all of us who have put our trust in him. Now, we may not be known for our ability to beat up people or whatever, but we were still sinners. As David mentioned, chief sinners, great sinners. And we still have that tendency. You know, we're still living in this, in this body of flesh. We still have our sin nature and we're still good at it, but we've been freed from it. And those people saw that man sitting there with Jesus and they were terrified. And they, and they started putting their heads together and thinking, what are we going to do here? I mean, they should have done something different. They should have thought about what was happening here and said, hey, if he has the power to do that, 
And he's got the power to do a lot of great things. We ought to, we ought to check him out. We ought to look into him. Instead, no, they, you know, the stench might have already been coming by that way. You know, cause 2,000 dead pigs in a lake, it's not a good thing. It's not, it's not, it's not good for the environment. So that, that may, you know, because it would have taken a while for all these people to get out there. It may have already been smelling. They might have said, whoa, do you see that? Who's going to clean that up? They said, you know what? I think we'd be better off if he just gets out of here. This leave, leaves us alone. Yeah, we're glad we don't have this roaming or these roaming demoniacs out here, you know, cutting themselves and screaming and stuff at night. But we would just, we would just soon, you just go, go back where you came from. Now, Jesus could have done to those people what he did to the soldiers that arrested him. You remember what happened that night in John chapter 19 when Judas led the soldiers up to him. He said, who are you looking for? And Judas came and kissed him and said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And when he said, I am he, boom, they all fell down on their backs. He could have done something like that for these people. But he said, no, okay, we're out of here. We're gone. And the guy said, I want to come along. Can you imagine him wanting to come along? I mean, where he's been, what he's been doing, and to be able just to stay with Jesus, just to do the things that Jesus does, and to hang out with him. But Jesus had something for this guy to do. Different than he had done up to this point in his ministry. Usually, he told these people that he'd cast demons out of, and that he healed, said, keep it quiet. But Jesus wasn't going to these ten cities anymore. He was sending this guy back in. He said, you got a story to tell. Go tell it. Did you notice who he started with? The people most affected. Can you imagine what it would have been like as parents raising that demon-possessed boy? Can you imagine how embarrassing, how hard it was going through all the stuff that he did, you know, in the neighborhood and in the town and and all that kind of stuff. First assignment Jesus gave the guy, go back to your family. He's going to go back to to them. They're probably, they're probably hardly going to recognize him. You can tell sometimes you can see it. It's a physical thing when a person has been changed. And I'm sure that that was the case with him. But more than the physical change, this guy now was in his right mind. And he's really in his right mind. You know, he's, he's not just in his right logical mind. He's in his right logical and spiritual mind. Now he gets it. Now he understands that the enemy of God, the hater of all people and, and all of God's plans, was, was using him as a pawn. And now he's free. And he's now God's servant. He's now God's man. He's not possessed by demons anymore. Now God himself is going to live in him. Is going to use him to shine, as Jesus was talking about, just just on the other side of the river. He's now going to be a light in this world. Not with a basket put over it or a bowl put over it, but he's going to be put on a stand 
And he's going to go into those towns, especially the one where his family is. And he's going to shine. That would have been scary. But you know, a guy who grew up and, and had to live like he lived probably wasn't scared of much. And now he had a story to tell. His life was changed. It reminds me, I mean, it's, in, in certain ways it doesn't remind me of myself at all. Because I didn't, I didn't have to go through that. But I still got saved. I still got forgiven of my sins. I still remember running out of that grave, as we were singing this morning. I can, I can still smell that office that I was in. You know, pastor's offices used to have this certain smell to them, you know. <laughs> old books. The old book smell was in there, you know. I can still smell that. And I'd gone in there to tell him I wanted to be baptized because my brother had been baptized, and I figured that's the thing I need now. That's, that's going to seal the deal for me. That's going to put me over the top. That's going to get me into heaven. I'm going to be baptized. And so I told him I wanted to be baptized, and he set up this meeting with me. I still remember the red chair I was sitting in and him giving me that Bible and having me look up Romans 6.23. Had me read it. For the wages of sin is death. And I didn't really understand that, so he explained it to me. He reminded me. I knew what wages was, but I was kind of on the spot, and I kind of froze and you know, couldn't quite put, the, put it together. He reminded me of my dad getting paid. He reminded me of my dad paying me, and that was my wages. And he said, God's going to pay everybody their wages, their payment for their sin, and it's death. And I thought to myself, that's what I came in here to get out of. Now he's telling me I'm stuck in it because I'm because I knew my sin well. You know, if any of you if any of you grew up with a brother, you know you knew your sin well. You know, not that he was sin, but there was a lot of sin going on, you know, between the two. And then he had me read the rest of the verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God, not the wages, the wages. Were what I deserve were death, but the gift was eternal life. That's what I came in there for. That's what I, that's what I wanted to get baptized for. He said, no, Dean, bapti- baptism won't do that. The gift of God is given through Jesus Christ. You've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe that he did all these things that the Bible says he did. And, and, and ultimately, that you have to believe that he went to die on the cross for you. He took upon himself the wages that you deserve to be paid. He got paid those for you. And if you believe in him, he'll give you eternal life. That's what I went in there for. That's what I got that day. And I didn't go running out of there, but inside I did. I was free. The burden, the the weight of my sin was gone. Not that I hadn't done it. But I wasn't going to get paid for it. I was forgiven. And I had a story to tell. My parents already knew. This guy's parents didn't know. My brother already knew. This guy's brother didn't know. A lot of people in my school already knew. But some didn't. Some found out from me. 
And so there's a little piece of this guy that reminds me of me, that reminds me of you. God's done a great work in us. Again, it's not as dramatic as this. And some people think, you know, if, if, if somebody says, hey, would you tell, tell your story about how you came? Well, my story's just boring. No, it's not. Your story is filled with sin and forgiveness. Just maybe not the sins of the demoniac or the sins of the Apostle Paul. You know, there, now there's a dramatic testimony. You know, you know, lightning flashing and the living God appearing to you on the road. And you, know, you don't have to have the dramatic story. Our stories are the same. We were, we were awaiting payment for our sins. And Jesus intervened. The moment we put our trust in him. This guy's a great picture of that. Don't, don't get over involved in the demonic aspect of it. Satan is real. Demons are real. They have their influence, a lot of influence, and they hate us. Peter described it in 1 Peter 5 as a roaring lion looking, looking around like he told, like he told God. I'm, I've been going back and forth through the world looking at people. Well, what he didn't say was trying to destroy them because he's like a lion looking for that weakness, looking for that element of, of unexpected, not expecting it, of surprise, like a lion does. And the Apostle Paul, right after, and I don't, know if this, I don't know if this is placed here on purpose or not, but right after the section on marriage, he gets into the section on putting on the armor of God. There might be a correlation there. Because, think about it. How many times does Satan use husbands and wives against each other? Even in a Christian marriage. It's not, it's, I don't think it's out of bounds to think. He might have placed that there on purpose. But he talks about the armor of God. The way to combat Satan who hates us. And he says that throughout the section there in Ephesians 6. He's, he's cunning. He's cruel. He's got strong weapons, but he says, we're okay. We're okay because we have the armor of God. And then Paul, probably chained to a Roman soldier, looks at him while he's writing, you know, the helmet, the breastplate, the belt of truth, the shoes, the sword, all this stuff. We got everything we need. In Jesus Christ, in his word, in the power of his spirit, we have everything we need. So when we read this story about this demoniac, don't, don't be afraid of, the, of demonic stuff. We don't have anything to be afraid of. God has made his promise to us that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We don't have to be afraid, but we need to remember that we've been changed. And he's still changing people, no matter how bound to sin they are, even if they're possessed by thousands of demons, they're not out of God's range. They're not too far gone for God to do work in their life. And he sent us back in like he sent the demoniac back in, the former, the ex-demoniac back in. He's sending us back in. So let's tell our story. 
Let's let people know what God has done for us. Let's, let's let people know why we spend all these hours singing to a man from Nazareth in Galilee every single Sunday morning. Let's let them know why we do that. Let's let them know what he has done. Let's let them know that he's more than just a man from, from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's let them know that he is alive and well and he is living by his spirit in us. Using us to do amazing things. Things that the world might not think are amazing. But when eternity comes around, they're going to find out they were wrong. Because he's doing amazing things through us. Just like he did through this former demoniac. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your power. We want to thank you for demonstrating it through your son, the Lord Jesus, so that we would know that he is you. That the son and the father are one. And that when we sing to Jesus, we are singing to you. When we see the power of Jesus over the storm, over the water, over the demoniac. We are seeing you. And when we receive Jesus, when we believe on his name, we are made your children. And we thank you for that. We didn't deserve your mercy and your grace any more than that demoniac did. Than those towns did that that demoniac went to share what Jesus had done for him. We didn't deserve it. But because it's grace, because it's a gift, we received it. There may be some here, Father, and you know that haven't yet received your gift. They're still trying to earn it. They're still trying to pay you back for their sins or they're still trying to straighten up their lives so much that they'll stop sinning. But even if they could, that wouldn't do anything about the sins they've already committed. Help them to see that if they hold out in the plan they're, they're working right now, that they're going to be given the wages of death for their sins. And it will be a death of separation from you for eternity in punishment. Help them to recognize that and to turn to Jesus, the only one who can offer them the gift of eternal life, the only one who can give them forgiveness of their sins because he's the only one, the only son of God, the only God-man, perfect in every way, who could die on the cross for our sins instead of his. Give them that confidence. Give them that courage to put their trust in him. And Father, use us who have already received Jesus to tell people our stories so that they'll know that they also can receive Jesus, that nobody is too far gone. Even this 
demoniac. Nobody has sinned too much, has done too many terrible things to be forgiven of their sins and given the gift of eternal life and the the opportunity to be a child, an eternal child of God. We glory in that fact this morning, Father, those of us who have received Jesus, and we again just pray that those who haven't would turn to Jesus today. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.